Welcome to Making Art Work, produced by the Arts Administration Program at Lemoyne College in Syracuse, New York. I'm Travis Newton, your host and director of the program. Today's guest is Catherine Underhill, newly appointed managing director of Central New York's new professional orchestra, Symphoria. Uh, Though she is a Syracuse native, Catherine comes to us from the Colorado Music Festival and Center for Musical Arts outside of Boulder, Colorado, where she was executive director. While at the festival, she oversaw a merger of the festival with a year-round community music school, and the combined organizations serve more than 30,000 individuals each year. As managing director of Central New York's Symphoria, Catherine is one of the organization's first full-time administrative hires since forming in December of 2012. Since that time, the orchestra has performed for thousands of audience members across the state through their Masterworks, Pops, Family Spark, and Educational Concerts. Catherine holds a Master's in Public Administration from Harvard and a Master's in Art History from the University of Colorado at Boulder. Catherine, welcome to Lemoyne College and Making Art Work. Thank you so much for having me. I want to start with Symphoria, and first I wonder if you could explain the cooperative model that the organization operates under and uh, and give your sort of take on that choice that they made when forming the new organization. Sure. Um, basically, the effort was, one, driven by a desire to retain the best of what the Syracuse Symphony Orchestra had to offer the community and revise the paradigm within which it operated to address some of the challenges and issues that had plagued the old organization. So with the opportunity to have a clean slate, if you will, after the demise of the SSO, uh, the musician core that was really looking around, trying to see what models were available, how to construct the new organization in a way that made the most sense and was the most sustainable, um, they looked to the uh, New Orleans Symphony Uh, now the Louisiana Philharmonic, Mm -hmm. and the Louisiana Philharmonic also emerged in the wake of a bankruptcy and was created as a co-op, that is where musicians actually are themselves vested in the organization, participate in shaping policy and vision, strategic planning, serve on the board, serve on committees, really are kind of the captains of their own ship, if you will. And when we refer to the SSO, just so that our listeners Uh, know, it's Syracuse Symphony Orchestra, which declared bankruptcy in April of 2011, and Symphoria is the new orchestra, which has sort of risen from the ashes of the SSO and is uh, run by the musicians as a a cooperative organization. That's correct. Sorry, skipped that part. No worries. Um, And it's interesting, first of all, uh, for me professionally, I have not been part of a startup organization before, Mm -hmm. so it's enormously intriguing. And I think the the fact that the Syracuse Symphony Orchestra um, had a complete bankruptcy uh, created an opportunity for a clean slate. And so the co-op model really fits the need for flexibility and um, I think contributes to sustainability in the long run. So the musicians are really the core piece and we started out with 36 and I believe we're up to 52 core members now. Fantastic. It's very exciting and as you know we just celebrated our one year anniversary in December of 2013 although this is our first complete season from September 
starting in September of 2013 and going into spring of 2014. Right. So all the years overlap. So and they they all sort of blend together. So it's hard so to it's keep confusing. track. So it's confusing. It is confusing to me. But the bottom line is that the new orchestra Symphoria has performed for thousands and thousands of people just in a year, which yes. is pretty incredible. We I believe have had more than 50 performances and we're estimating it's a little tough to give you a hard number because the summer several of the summer concerts are free and so we're estimating crowd counts, but extrapolating from our ticket sales and with those free concerts, we believe that we are serving close to 30,000 people in this first year. That's great. Ticket sales are very encouraging. We've got more than 1,300 subscriber households already in hand. Mm -hmm. And so I would say we're growing, which is what we need to do. And pretty recently, a few months ago, you were granted your 501c3 status, right? Yes, so, last spring, I think that was. So all uh, donations are tax deductible these days. Absolutely. And Great. we just completed a, an end-of-calendar year campaign. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a very small administrative team, and so we're um, processing all of those as quickly as possible. But the the... Um, dynamic of the responses that we've gotten has been extremely positive, very encouraging, lots of nice, nice notes from people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's been it's been great. Great. Yeah. So there seems to be a lot of forward momentum happening with Symphoria, and I wonder if you could talk about what your decision making process was and what really drew you back to Central New York from Colorado to come and work for this brand new organization. Um. So many things went into that decision, and it's really pretty interesting. First of all, I had been with the Colorado Music Festival, which, as you said in your intro, evolved to the Colorado Music Festival and Center for Musical Arts mm -hmm. after our merger in 2009. But I had led the organization for 11 years, and that's rather a long time in the life of a nonprofit. And so I had been sort of looking around just for professional opportunities over the last you know year or so keeping my eye on what was sure. emerging. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I because I'm a Syracuse native and I have family in the area. And you went I to Nottingham High School, right? <laughs> I graduated from Nottingham High School, mm -hmm. that's right. And went to Our Lady of Solace School, which is no more, but um, I know that some of the people that graduated from either or both of those institutions are still in the area. So big hello yeah. to all the alumni of those two schools. Um, so I had been, I come back, I had been coming back to visit family every year. We have a summer place up in the Adirondacks mm -hmm. and, and I keep my eye on what's happening in my hometown, of course. And so I was dismayed and, and saddened and I guess surprised, uh, when the Syracuse Symphony Orchestra made its sort of abrupt decision to, uh, declare Chapter Eleven, Chapter Seven bankruptcy. Right. I think most people were surprised. Yes. It seemed very sudden. It was sudden and surprising, and I think, and that's one of the challenges that we face with the new organization is sure. to address some of those people who were left sort of in the lurch. Mm -hmm. um, but so from two thousand miles away, I was watching this go on, and so that combined with. My interest really in seeing what I could offer in the next phase of my career, and as Symphoria emerged, that seemed like a really cool opportunity to me to take my background and my commitment to this area, my love for Central New York, 
and combine the two. And so I reached out to them and, uh, and was fortunate enough to have had several conversations with John Garland, who is um, clearly a, a key player in the development of the new organization. Absolutely. Really a, a wonderful individual and um, smart and committed and passionate and helped move um, on maybe a group of musicians who were who wanted to make something happen and move that desire into an organizational structure that's really, I think, going to benefit all of us in the long run. Anyway, John and I had several conversations, and ultimately I was invited to join the team, which is quite exciting. Well, we're glad you're here. Thank you very much. I wonder if you could talk about some of the the obstacles that you've run into in your time here so far. I know it hasn't been overly long, but, you know, the life of a nonprofit, as you say, 11 years seems like an eternity. So sometimes a year can seem like forever. Yeah. So surely there have been some things that have come your way since you've been here that you've had to tackle. I wonder if you could talk about that. Sure. Um, Well, one of the things, just from a personal perspective, is getting to know the community again. So Mm -hmm. as I told you, as an aside, I, I can be navigationally challenged. And, um, <laughs> but you made it here. <laughs> I'm getting better at finding my way around. That's good. And it's it's great. I mean, that, I think the city has changed a lot since last I lived here. But I'm also discovering things with the eyes of an adult that a, a teenager might have missed, like the fantastic architecture that's all over downtown Syracuse. It has a, such a rich history, and I think that there are a lot of people who are really trying to leverage that and create or tout the unique aspects of Syracuse hmm. because it's not like any other community, and that's great. So I'm finding my way around. I'm discovering a lot of the cool places and people. Um, I've met many wonderful colleagues already in my short time here including you, and that's been very encouraging. People seem very willing to collaborate and think about ways that we can work together. Absolutely. In terms of challenges, I would say, uh, well, for one thing, coming from an organization like the Music Festival and being there for 11 years, obviously there are many um, parts of the infrastructure that are very well established in an organization like that. And indeed, in the Syracuse Symphony Orchestra, after 50 years of operation, there were many systems and policies and sort of that framework that were very finely tuned. And um, so one of the sort of double-edged swords, it's, it's really cool, it's really exciting, there's a lot of opportunity for innovation, but I think a challenge is that we are also, while the ship is moving forward, we're creating policies and we're figuring out everything from the database to financial reporting to HR policies. You know, everything has is having to be created, and as long as everybody can um, sort of be a little patient on that, I think we're in good shape. Although I know that there is this expectation that everything is going to run the way it did with the SSO, and this is a different structure. It's an entirely different budget size and staff size. You know, we have seven staff members, only three of whom are full-time, and of the seven, three are also members of the orchestra. That's great. Yeah. It it's, makes for a really engaged team, which is fantastic to work with. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I would also say that as a growing organization, we have a lot of work to do. I personally have a lot of work to do being new to the area to meet people, to reestablish relationships with donors and businesses, and to reach beyond, I think, where the SSO was in that and really try to engage new community members, community members who are new to us. Right. And we're doing a lot in terms of programming and marketing to help facilitate that. So there's, it's a big learning curve, um, but that's what keeps it interesting, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Well, and you talk about the, um, you know, the, the sort of conflict between wanting to plan and have things figured out well in advance, but also being nimble enough as an organization to take advantage of opportunities that come up in the short term right? and not painting yourself into a corner so that you aren't able to take advantage of those opportunities that might not come up until two or three months before they're supposed to happen. So it's a a tough balancing act, I think, for all arts arts organizations to sort of get off of the two or three or four year planning bandwagon and be more flexible. It's it's interesting that you bring that up because um, I participated with several musicians and other staff members in a big planning session yesterday where we were working to try to identify the programming that we'll be offering for the 14-15 concert season. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very true. We're trying to be responsive and create room for opportunities to develop, and yet we're also very aware that the expectation is that we'll be able to announce a season, sell subscriptions, have people reserve their seats. Sure. So and there are very budget. practical yeah, there are very practical reasons to plan so far ahead. Yeah. And you know, for your budget and your your ticket sales and people getting their seats and booking the hall, booking the performance venue, which is always um, sort of a juggling act, Yes, right? it is, and securing guest artists and mm-hmm. guest conductors and, you know, for all of those reasons. And this year was a good example, I think, where we had an opportunity to collaborate with the Landmark Theater on the video game's live uh, performance, which was a fantastic and really fun concert, drew a very um, broad-based audience right. demographically, and that was something that emerged sort of after the season had been developed. So... Keeping those opportunities available, being able to pursue them as they come up, I think we're trying to identify what the best balance of planning and spontaneity is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming in, Catherine. It was a pleasure to have you. Hopefully you'll come back again sometime. My pleasure, absolutely, and thank you so much for having me. Sure. And for more info on Symphoria, you can head over to www.experiencesymphoria.org. Making Artwork is produced by the Arts Administration Program at LeMoyne College in Syracuse, New York, with support provided by the Department of Communication and Film Studies and WLMU Radio. Our theme song was written by LeMoyne College music faculty member Edward Rahowski and performed by the Bang on a Can All-Stars. For more information about Arts Administration at LeMoyne, visit lemoyne.edu slash artsadmin or follow us on Twitter at LMCArtsADMN. I'm your host, Travis Newton, hoping you'll join us again next time on Making Art Work.